My name's Pastor Scott, and um, I'm your pastor. You may not know that because I haven't been here for a while. Uh, I feel like I am completely out of it. Um, I uh, had planned already that I would be um, two weeks ago in Texas for a uh, retreat with other pastors, so I was gone then, and last week uh, I had planned in the midst of that to um, preach down in Escondido, so I wasn't going to be here for two weeks uh, just preaching, but then... um, about a week and a half ago, I had a pretty massive wrench thrown into my life and my involvement here at church in that I was selected for jury duty down at San Bernardino County Courthouse, where I've been for last week and a half and will be for at least another week and a half. Uh, I would ask for your prayers for wisdom. Uh, obviously, since I'm on a jury, I can't tell you what's going on and what we're talking about, um, but I can ask for your wisdom. And I, I ask that you pray for uh, the 15 of us who are jurors and alternates, and certainly the defense, the prosecution, the judge, and the others involved. Many of you who've been involved in that in the, pro- in the past know it's an interesting process. I'm learning a lot of interesting things, some of which I will hopefully share with you after this is all done. But it does mean that very often, if you come here during the week, I'm not here. And it's not because I'm shirking my responsibilities. Uh, it is because I'm trying to do my civil duty. And um, God be praised, our staff is doing a great job. Um, even uh, this morning, Beth being willing to do the blessing and the announcements and all that other sort of stuff. Uh, that way I can simply focus on, on getting a sermon written, which in the midst of jury is actually going to be a challenge. But I will continue to preach through this, whatever long it goes. And it actually could go longer. Um, but my hope is that as much as I'm able, as much as we're able, we're going to keep them, uh, things on track. Uh, a couple of things just uh, in terms of the prayer life of our uh, congregation. Lois Mulholland, uh, we uh, yesterday had a memorial service um, with family and friends gathered to remember and celebrate her life of faithfulness, a service that Pastor Bill was involved in. And um, this past week, for those of you who maybe not on the prayer chain or haven't heard, uh, last week Nick announced that um, Cheryl Weirs had been diagnosed with cancer. It is, uh, we found out this week, stage two lymphoma, stage two because it's in two spots, but God be praised, very treatable, lots of hope, lots of good stuff that um, the Weirs have heard at an oncologist appointment this week, and so everything is positive moving forward for Cheryl uh, in terms of her treatment plan. Also, uh, she starts that this week, so chemo starts this week, and um, yes, hair loss will be a part of that, so you'll see her appearance uh, change over the next couple weeks, but her heart is full with the love that you have shared, and I give uh, you great uh, gratitude. I have gratitude for that and how you have loved into the life, uh, the lives of the weirs over the past um, week and a half. God be praised. That's what they so desperately need and will continue to need in days ahead, as well as others in our church who walk through that process of treatment and cancer and all that other sort of stuff. 
This week we are continuing our series on the Gospel of John chapter 1. If you want to turn in your Bibles there, we're going to um, revisit that text again, as well as you can put your finger over in Matthew 28, the end of that chapter. We're going to touch on something there as well. Um, This is our series on a better way. We're talking through the way that as we begin the new year and think about the new year ahead, how do we live into a better way of life? How do we live into doing things? things, believing things, understanding things better, and not things that we do, but that God has done and given to us through Jesus Christ. That's our focus through this series, and as we gather around God's word, let's uh, pray for his wisdom, pray for his blessing, pray for his transformation through the power of his word. Father, thank you that we can gather as your people here at the river, and we can enjoy your presence. We can enjoy, Father, you being here among us, of us experiencing your love together as we sing praises to you, experiencing uh, your love together in how we see our children and how we get involved in ministry here, how we think about other people who are walking through challenges, joys, sufferings, burdens. Father, there's so much of your love present, and we are so very grateful for that. It's because you're present. You're here with us. That's a promise you made in your word, and may we live into that promise that you are always with us. May we live into that promise in a way which brings your love to the world that we touch every day our workplaces, neighborhoods, families. Wherever it is that we go, Father, may you shine forth from us in your love. Because you're with us, others can see you. May that be a truth that soaks into our hearts, into our souls, and that we live out. May your love permeate, cover, be a part of everything that we are. Father, your word has power to show us how to live in that. Father, use it to transform us today that we can then go from this place equipped to be your love to the world. In Christ we pray, amen. From God's word, the gospel of John, chapter one. And we'll start at verse nine and read through verse 14. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. And then our focus text this morning. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Kristen My wife graduated from college before I did, and it wasn't because I was behind and wasn't able to handle college life, just how it worked. And so she, after graduation, 
uh, of course, do, did what you often do, and that is pursue job leads. I was in Michigan going to Calvin. Kristen found a job, and because she had been born and raised somewhat in her life in California, it became an attractive spot for her to come. And so she took a job teaching uh, first and second grade at a Christian school in Alameda, California, and right near San Francisco. So... For the next year, actually it wasn't about, it was a year, it was about eight months, we did what is commonly called the LDR, the long distance relationship. Anyone ever been in that long distance relationship? If you've ever been in a long distance relationship, it's hard, it's challenging. Right. Um, in fact, the, the, the place that I lived in, I didn't live in a very nice house in Michigan. Uh, I lived with seven other guys, and it was a, a, a junky house, but we lived there because the rent was cheap. So I could pay $100 a month in rent in order to live there. The challenge was, is because I was in relationship with Kristen, and she was in California, and this is the days before cell phones and unlimited nationwide calling. While I was paying rent for $100 a month, I was paying $150 a month in phone bill. I was constantly, Kristen and I would touch base every day. It wasn't unusual for us to be on the phone with each other late at night at uh, for an hour or so. And of course, with the time difference, I'd be up at midnight, she'd be up at nine o'clock in her apartment by herself, and she just, just wanted to talk. And it was hard because I wanted to be with her. She wanted to be with me. We were in love. We were, at that point, engaged to be married. We wanted to be together just to, to sometimes hug each other. Sometimes just to, I would hear her talk about her first year teaching. And if you've ever been a first year teacher, you know, there's lots of challenges that go on. And I wanted to be there for her, support her, encourage her. But I wasn't. I was 2,000 plus miles away in Grand Rapids, Michigan, experiencing the cold. In fact, I remember when I went to visit her once. I went to visit her for four days once in, during that time. And I went to see her, and we had a wonderful four days together, lots of fun stuff that we did together, and lots of stories that that came out of that for us, and then she had to drive me to Oakland Airport. I don't think even Oakland Airport exists anymore, but we drove over to Oakland Airport because I had to get an airplane, fly back to Michigan, and I can remember, this is the days that they could walk you up to the gate before security measures, and I would, I was walking down the jetway after having said goodbye to her with tears streaming down my face. I remember getting into my seat and being racked with sobs because I was going to miss her so much. We long to be with the one that we love, with the ones that we love. And distance is hard. When we look at our text this morning, God in Jesus Christ is addressing that very specific need in a powerful, powerful way. In a life transformation way. In a world transformation way. We read these words from the Gospel of John. The Word became flesh and He made His dwelling among us. 
Now, this idea for the Jews was a new idea. Now, yes, God had made his dwelling among his people, right? We know that from the Old Testament. We know that from the tabernacle, from the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. We know that God was present with his people in that specially constructed place for God's presence. We know that God was present in his people in the pillar of fire and the pillar of light as he gathered and guided them through the wanderings in the wilderness. We know that God was present among his people after Solomon built the temple. But it was a very different presence. It was a presence that was marked by some separation, right? If you know the construction of both the tabernacle and the temple, there were areas of closeness to God, right? You would have the outer court. And in the temple, you would have the inner court, And then you would have the holy place, which was closer yet. But you could only step into the next level if you were qualified, if there were certain stipulations. You could only go into certain courts if you were Jew. If you could only go into certain courts if you were a man. You could only go into certain places if you were a priest. And certainly the holy of holies. One place where you could only go if you were the high priest and then only once a year. So there's this presence of God, but it's a presence marked by separation. Then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up, right? And he made his dwelling among his people. We hear that here, right? And in making his dwelling among God's people in a person, a man who interacts, this is not a separation. You could go up as the woman who had the bleeding went up. You could go up and touch Jesus. Even if you were not intimate, even if you were not a friend, even if you were not a disciple, you could be close to God. You could be close to who God is, who God was in Jesus. And you can imagine for a Jew living into outer courts, inner courts, holy place, most holy place, this idea of a God that you can approach and touch would certainly be foreign and uncomfortable. It would be challenging to work through. What's this new thing that God has done in Jesus Christ? It's one of the reasons why we see the Jews struggling so much to accept that this is God in flesh in Jesus. That this is the Messiah. And in fact, many reject him. Because that's a foreign idea. And when we use even this phrase, made his dwelling among us. You can jump back one, Cindy. That, that actually is a really interesting phrase. Made his dwelling is the exact same form and shape of words that is used to name the tabernacle. So when we look at the Old Testament idea of what the tabernacle is, God's presence among his people, but in separation. Now in Christ, God has tabernacled among his people in a very different way. In a way that is open. In a way that is transformational. And certainly that's a struggle. We even see that more powerfully. At Christ's crucifixion and resurrection. What happens? The most holy place. Curtain. Torn in two. God is open to all. But if you're a Jew. How do you process that? God has been distant. Now he's with me? God has been separated. 
Now he walks and talks and we sit down and have loaves and fishes together. Now I can hear him speaking to me about specific teachings of scripture. Now I can interact. I can see him laugh. I can watch him weep at death. What? That's not, that's not how I see God as a Jew understanding the Old Testament. For Jews, this God with and among would take some time for them to grasp. God is holy, right? In his set-apartness. It's one of the reasons why we call it the holy place and the most holy place. You can't be close to God because God is holy. And in holiness's presence, sin can't be existent. We can't walk into God's presence because we are sinful. And now suddenly... That holiness of God in Jesus Christ not only tolerates sin in its presence, but even embraces those who are marked by it. Wow. It's a complete paradigm change. It's a complete new idea for the Jews. Now he is familiar in being on earth. God is personal and certainly this is a challenging idea. Now for us, as we think about God with us in Christ, our challenges can be a little different. Now we have to embrace this familiar presence still that God has tabernacled, God has made his dwelling among us, but we have to do it without seeing him, right? Remember last, last time or last time I preached, I, put, I was talking to Mark and talking about Mark being, you know, this is a human. This is who Jesus might have looked like. A little different probably. Now, we don't see Jesus among us. We don't see that man that the Jews did of Jesus' day. And yet, the promise is God is with us, right? And that distance can still be felt because we don't see the person. We don't see the humanity of Christ. Christ. We know God's deity. We know his power. We know his love. We know his grace. But his presence, his presence can still feel very distant from us. I hear it all the time. We don't always know that Christ is with us every moment of every day. This is a common phrase that I hear in my office or in discussions with people. I don't feel Jesus with me. Anyone familiar with that sort of feeling sometimes? And it can especially come in the hard stuff, right? It can come when we're hurting. It can come when we feel lost in life. It can come when we're doubtful about whether or not God exists. It can come when we're angry about something that's going on. We can question God's presence in all of it. I've gone through those seasons. I've gone through those moments where I have wondered, are you real? And this is obviously, you know, my, my place, this is my vocation. My vocation is to proclaim that God lives in Jesus Christ and it's transformed the world. And yet there are moments in the dark of my wilderness, in the darkness of my heart, where I wonder, is this just a sham because I don't feel him all the time? I don't feel him when the pain comes. I wonder when I hear the diagnoses of cancer. Father, how can you let this happen? And that question then is followed by, are you real? I I see that when I look at the brokenness of the world around us. 
I, I feel it sometimes when I, I think about how I am not who I think God has designed me to be. No matter how hard I try sometimes. Why can't I get there? Why can't that part of my life be transformed? God, are you actually at work? Are you real? Are you present with me? It's interesting, a number of years ago, I actually got in trouble for this. I was at a ministry in Mexico, and there was a, uh, it was a mission, mission team gathering together, and this was with another group that I wasn't very familiar with. And there was a prayer and share time at the end of every day. It was a week-long mission trip. And we're sitting up there, uh, we have worship time, and then people would get up and share. And these people would talk about how God was so present as they shared Jesus with people who didn't know him. God was so present as they had worship times with others who uh, were speaking a different language language or of a different ethnicity or culture or whatever and they just felt God's presence in a powerful powerful way and they were praising God for that and I praise God for that too then I got up and I said God be praised it was a group of whole high, a whole bunch of high school students there was about 400 of us there and all these high school students I said God be praised God is present with you in this mission trip. You are experiencing him as you share Jesus. And I give God great praise for that. But I want you to hear this. That God is equally present. His promised present is just as real. When you go home after this summer mission trip and this fall go to a party and get smashingly drunk. God's presence is there. God is equally present there as he is even in your worship and mission time. God is equally present in Jesus Christ with you in front of the computer screen as you watch those images. God is equally present with you as you struggle with the pain of being, in this case, a teenager, with addictions, with challenges that you face. God's presence doesn't change. We may just experience it and acknowledge it in a different way. God's presence is always. What's his Old Testament name? What does God say that to Moses? What does he say? Tell them my name. I am. It's a present tense reality that is always, no matter where you go. Simon, in the morning, when you're going down whatever that street is, on your scooter, with your backpack on your front, with the ball, uh, baseball bat sticking out, I see you every morning, God is equally present with you there as he is here with you as you sing songs of praise to him. He is right there with you going down that street. I just wish that he would have saved you from running your face into that fence. It's the only thing I wish. He is present with you, Doug, in your jail cell, in the jail cells that you guard, even in those moments when you see the darkness and the brokenness of the life of the people that you guard and even the challenges that it brings to your heart. God is equally present there as he is in this space. We call this a sanctuary. We call this a holy place. God is equally present in San Bernardino County Jail as he is here. God's presence in Jesus Christ promised to us is a real, powerful, life transformation presence. The problem that we often face is when and how do we know it? We know it, 
but we don't always know it, right? I've heard people talk about going to these great worship and praise conferences. Man, you could feel God's presence in a powerful way. It was like I knew Jesus for the very first time. And I just want to say, and he went with you out into the parking lot and got in the car with you and went home with you and is with you every moment of every day. He is equally in the mortuary in the graveyard as he is in the birth ward. God is present in Jesus Christ in all of life. It's simply sometimes for us a challenge to understand that, to live into that. And there's consequences if we don't. Because if Christ is present in us and we don't acknowledge it in the dark places that we go to, and live into that, then we're not bringing out the Jesus that's in us to the world around us. We're not acknowledging the presence that's going to change the world that we live in. We've we've talked about it in our culture, right? God has left American culture because we've taken prayer out of the schools, right? We've taken Ten Commandments down from the courthouses, right? We've done all these things that are supposedly anti-Christian. And my question always is, did God leave? And the answer is no. Never once. God was always present. He was simply present in us. And if there is not impact on the world around us, then we're not blaming the world around us. That's not fair. We have to ask the question, have we carried him into the world that we live in every moment of every day? Is that what we've done? We've forgotten Christ's presence in us? And so we haven't carried him and we've seen the transformation of culture because Jesus hasn't been present through us. I wonder about that sometimes. God is not absent in this country nor in this world, ever. He always is here. But are we carrying him? Are we living out the transformation he's done in us? Now, see... For the Jews, as they struggled into this startling reality of Christ's presence, if they were willing to walk with Jesus and discern Christ's purpose, they saw a new beauty of God that they couldn't turn away from. When they saw Christ's presence and power in the world around them, when they saw healing happen, when they heard the teaching of Jesus, when they witnessed the miracles, when they heard the authority of his teaching and saw lives changed, they, like all of them, came to the point of Peter and say, where else would we go? The rest of the text says, you carry the words of eternal life. When we are impacted, when Peter was impacted by Christ's presence in and around him, he realized there was nothing else out there that he could turn to. Christ's presence in him and the glory and the power of that presence changed Peter so much that he said, there's nothing else. There's nothing else worth my time, my energy, my effort. 
In Christ, this familiar man, God reveals his glory and that glory changed the world of first century Israel. It had that power to do that. And because it had that power to do that, the, 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 the church began and the world start to, started to be changed. And we still live into that, that, that work that was started then, excuse me, in Peter and the disciples in the early church. And the question that I ask again, is God still present? These people... Peter, the disciples, they saw their world changed because they had eyes to see. They discerned God at work. They witnessed what God did in the miracles, in the parables, in the teachings, in the authority, in the resurrection, in his glory. They saw all that. And because they had eyes to see and were willing to look at the world around them, they saw God's glory. And my question is for us, Do we have eyes to see? Do we have eyes to see God's glory in the world around us? Because that's God continuing to show us his presence. And I'm telling you, God's glory is very real. The problem that we have is we don't always have eyes to see it. We're wondering, is Christ with us? He is. The problem is our eyes, our ears, our hearts are oftentimes the problem that don't allow us to see him. We're not bearing witness to that oftentimes because we hear this promise from Matthew 28, verse 20. What does it say there? Jesus is getting ready to leave the disciples and ascend into heaven and he says to them, teaching teaching them to obey. He's talking about how they interact with people um, as they come in contact with them. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely... Read it with me if you got your Bibles open. I am with you always to the very end of the age. Is Christ present in the world that we live in? Absolutely. Because he's with us. He's with you. He's with you making signs. He's with you fixing cars. He's with us wherever it is that we are. The question is, Oftentimes, are we allowing others to see him in us? When we live into this personal, familiar, always present relationship with Christ, the world becomes transformed around us, not because new things happen, but because we see things differently. I'll I'll be honest. I can often be a negative Nancy. I can be a critical person. I can look at things and I can say, you know what, there's this and that's garbage and that's junk and I don't like that. We can look at our media and we can say, that's horrible, that's junk, that's garbage. We can criticize this thing or that organization. Kristen and I attended something yesterday and we got in the van afterwards and instantly the negative critical comments come out of us really, really quickly. And yet the place where I was yesterday is 
It's, there's a room there that just has banners and walls of scripture verses of Christ. I see things there. But the problem is I get so critical that I can't even see that. I don't have eyes to see Christ's transformation, Christ's glory, Christ's presence there. Why? Because I don't have eyes to see. So then we ask some questions. What is God doing in your neighborhood? These are the going deeper questions. What is Christ doing in your neighborhood? What is Christ doing in your workplace? Yes, there's negative stuff. There will always be negative stuff. Here at the church, there's always negative stuff. There's always junk that happens. There's always junk that happens in downtown Redlands. There's always junk that happens on television. There's always junk that happens in the news. It's always there. And we can see that. And we can hear it. And we can bear witness to that. Or we can bear witness to the fact that in downtown Redlands, God is present at work and doing his transformation there among people that he is involved with and he loves and wants to show his grace. In your workplace, yes, there's junk. That coworker drives you crazy. That person is lazy. They don't do a very good job. That person over there has been critical of you in the past. And yet, Yet, if we have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to bear witness, we see God transforming the workplace that we are in in different small ways sometimes. Oh, it's like they're microscopically small sometimes. But if we look and we see and we're sensitive that God is with us, give me eyes to see, Lord. We can see that there are places there where God is transforming people's lives in his grace and in his power and in his love. God is transforming our families. Your family, as messed up as it is, and some of you got messed up families. I got a messed up family. And I can criticize my messed up family and all the junk that's there. I can do that. Or I can have eyes to see and ears to hear what God is doing to transform my brother, my sister, my brother-in-law, my in-laws. All those people. God is transforming into that work. But that's not all. Because he's using me to do it. And he's using you to do it. And he's using every other person who confesses the grace and the love of Jesus Christ in their lives to do it. And oftentimes, when we have eyes to see and ears to hear, where Christ is transforming the world around us, what we understand more about is how we are involved. What role do you play in your workplace? Christ is with you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's a promise. It's not negotiable. It doesn't change because God doesn't change. I am So Christ is present with you. How are you and I carrying his presence into our workplace? And certainly, I can hear somebody say, well, you're just talking about self-empowerment. And the better we are, the more Christ, the the better things are going to get. And I'm saying, no way. Because Christ is the one who's doing the work in you. Oftentimes, when Christ uses me to transform his world, it's because it's despite myself. It's despite my foolishness, despite my brokenness, despite my own sin. 
But it has to be that willingness to say, how Christ are you calling me to carry you? You're present with me. You've tabernacled. You're camping out in me. How do I carry you to the world that I live in? When we live into this, our eyes and ears become tuned to what he is doing in and around us, how he is present in us, with us as the instrument of his transformation. That's God's glory. That's the beautiful stuff of walking and living with Jesus. If you are not walking and living with Jesus, you are missing out on the greatest glory the world has ever known. Super Bowl next week doesn't hold a candle to it. Academy Awards coming up, the Screen Actors Guild Awards last night, don't hold a candle to this glory. There's nothing in this world that holds a candle to the glory of God that is revealed when his people live into his presence in the world around them. And if you don't have that, come talk to me. Come talk to Beth. Come talk to us up here. We would love to talk with you about how to know Christ's presence in that powerful life transformation way. It's a free gift. Free gift with offer. The offer is simply this, that he will change your life and make everything new in Jesus Christ. I'm seeing that this week. Seeing it last week, feels like I'm going to be seeing it forever down at the San Bernardino County Courthouse. If you want to find a place of broken lives, you can do it in a jail or a police station or a courthouse. I'm discovering that. And by the way, the jury selection process, that is quite, quite a cross-culture of our society, isn't it? That's a magical, magical place. But in that, you see the brokenness of our world. And honestly, I've been there now long enough and I've gotten familiar with some of the people that I'm with. You see in them some beauty. You see in them places where God has done good work of changing them in Christ, transforming them, moving them, giving them kind words one to another. There's a woman there 34 weeks pregnant. She's healthy. She's joyous. She's excited about this baby coming. That's a beautiful presence, powerful gift of God in that context. And yes, there's the junk. Yes, there's a court case that we're determining. There's brokenness there. There's ugliness. There's sin involved. Yes, I can come away from that. And sometimes I even feel that burden. I can feel the burden. This is horrible. This is the worst of us. This is the worst that I society can offer. But in those beautiful moments, when Christ whispers to me, he says, But look at that. But look at that. Look at this. Look at this little thing that I'm doing over here. Isn't that cool? And here's when it gets the best. It gets the best when this thing that I'm looking at is something that I'm involved in. A conversation that I'm having to simply share grace or love or concern or laughter or joy with the person I'm sitting beside on the bench. 
And the beauty of those moments, I give God great praise. And believe me, I fail, I'm foolish, I make mistakes in the midst of all of that. But in those beautiful moments, it's like all of a sudden, there's a light. Yeah, it's not a visible one, but it's certainly a spiritual one. What is it? God's glory. It's God's glory. It's God's glory. Do you pray with me? You have equipped us through the grace of Jesus Christ to be your glory in the world around us, not because of who we are, but because of who you are. Who you are, God, is someone who has given us your presence. You are camping out. You're with us. And you've said again that that will never change to the end of the age. We don't even understand what that word is, but it's longer than we can know. That presence of yours will never change. It will never change on the scooter we take to school. It will never change in the handcuffs that we put on a suspect. It will never change in the people that we stand in line behind at staters. It will never change in the other jurors that we're with. It will never change in the people we live beside. It will never change in the people that we're related to. You are always present in all those places at all times because you are. And you are in us. May we live out to that, may we live out that in us reality so that the world can see your glory, that we have eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts that are sensitive to the places and the spaces where you are equipping us. Sometimes that's, Lord, with our kids or with our parents, with our family. Sometimes it's with our teacher or with our students. Sometimes it's with our fellow students, our co-workers. It's wherever it is that you call us, Lord, may we be your glory to the world. May the world never be able to say, God is dead. Because we're alive. And when you're with us, you are present. And we carry your grace, your love, and your glory to the world around us in a way that changes everything. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.